Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, we're back. We've taken a little hiatus, a few weeks, three weeks, I guess, since we dropped an episode. Um, mostly because we've been busy. Busy. Really, Very really, busy. really busy. Not only is it summertime and my kids are home from school and like just all the summertime things. I swear to God, our schedule for this summer has been like me personally, like every single weekend until pretty much this coming weekend, we have had some type of party, some type of family obligations, some type of birthday, something. I mean, my husband says on a regular basis, well, when things slow down, we'll fill in the blank. And <laughs> I'm always like, please stop saying that because no, yeah, when? right. And then he makes fun of me because I one time said, you can rest when you're dead. And <laughs> every single time this comes up, he's always again, like, remember when you said that? Yeah. So that's like funny. haha. But like what? on a like a ugh, note, like, yeah, I was kind of having that breakdown last night of like, I'm tired. I'm really, really, really like soul level tired. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of safety planning. I'm tired of keeping all Ten balls in the air, a hundred balls in the air. Yeah. And the balls that I want to have to keep in the air are the ones that are good and productive and healing and helping the community, helping survivors like our nonprofit. Like those are the balls I want to keep in the air. The balls I'm tired of keeping in the air are having to stay safe, having to think about where I'm going and what I'm doing. And having who's to gonna be there to help make sure you're going to be safe. And yeah. Um, just all of it. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of explaining, explaining. Yeah. Like this happened to me. There is so much to corroborate that and so much evidence and so much. And I'm so tired of having to explain it and, and having justify every step everything. we have taken, God. are taking, will take. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Um, and that's so, why Silas is on Kate's lap. Right that is now. why Silas is on my lap because he loves me and he knows. Yes, he knows. <laughs> on a soul level. He does. He just can tell. <laughs> yeah, I said to Patrick, like, when does it slow down, right? When does it stop? Mm -hmm. When does it get easier? And I, you know, had that. So, like, yes, haha, -ha, like, summer, when is life going to slow down? Absolutely. I have young kids, so I think never. Um, <laughs> you got a, a bit of a ways ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, but on, on this level of just the journey to safety and the journey to the other side, I mean, I don't know. I don't know when it stops. I don't know. And we will keep going. We do keep going. Um, and that's because kind of, there is enough positive happening. And I think that's an important thing to note that there have been seasons where there was so much weighing you down yeah. that it was hard to keep going. And it's not that it's not hard now, but 
there are maybe some lights at the end of the tunnel and some indicators of something meaningful here that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess in this episode on that note, we just, we do want to give kind of an update about where we're at, how things are going. Um, we have already introduced on the podcast our new not-for-profit organization, Mezzo Allies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which we're really excited about. We are officially official. And um, we it's been honestly a, a thing in the making since, oh my goodness, January. <laughs> I think, I mean, we, you know, held a, a fundraiser in March, a pop-up event. Um Someone had offered to to host a pop-up event for us, which the sole purpose of that fundraiser was to raise the seed money that it would take to create um, Mezzo Allies, to create our nonprofit. Um, so we that was March. So we started planning for that in like January, February, I think. I feel like when I step back and I think about the transformation from the times before the podcast when you could not imagine having any power and voice even in your immediate experience to this point at which you have power and voice in a much broader sense it's mind-boggling because you used to say i'm not interested in being the poster child for family control trafficking (laughs) yeah i'm still not interested in that i know know. uh but i am so there's a difference i Mm -hmm. am interested though and very passionate about um, about protecting other survivors and about raising awareness and about screaming from the rooftops, this shouldn't be this hard. There should be support in place. There should be better systems. There should be um, people that hear victims, see them, help them, come alongside them. We should not, as... Uh, you know, speaking on behalf of all survivors, it should not be this hard. We should not have to fight this hard. We've already experienced horrendous, heinous things. The getting help part should not be as painful. Absolutely. (laughs) It just shouldn't. That's a conversation we have often that the offenders, the traffickers, the buyers, they're going to do what they're going to do. These kind of people don't stop. We understand that. Other survivors have come forward and said a lot of these same things. Um, these people don't stop. So we're not sitting around waiting for them to be different. What needs to be different is us. Yeah. yeah. The helpers need to be different. The systems need to be different. Survivors need to have opportunity to use their power and voice because survivors, unfortunately, have had to be among the strongest people on the planet. And it shouldn't have to be that, but it is. Yeah. So, Yeah. That is, that is, I guess, the difference, though, is I'm not interested in being the face of human trafficking. I'm, I'm interested, though, and I'm passionate about changing that. I'm, I want to change the narrative. I want to change the world in, in, in this space. Um, so I guess that, you know, why, why start a nonprofit, right? Why do this? Why go through all this? <laughs> um, you know, and again, we've talked about it before, but it is just that. It is the fact that this road has been an absolute nightmare. It has been, I mean, you guys, if you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, you've listened to our long and treacherous, <laughs> and that was only starting a year and a half ago. There was four and a half years that came before that. Um, and, you know, decades <laughs> before that. Um, but this long, hard, impossible road, we've been walking it out and, um, it's not uncommon 
for that to be how it goes. It's not, you know, we've talked to survivors. I am in a support group of survivors. They all say the same thing. You know, if you went back and listened to Alicia Cohen's episode um, that we did with her, she talked about her experience with law enforcement, her experience trying to get help, the continued threats that she receives, the continued safety feet, you know, factors and all of that. Um, like you said, these traffickers that we can't change them. They're not going to stop. They don't stop. Um, they do not let go. They continue to threaten and harm really as long as possible. Um, which is, you know, makes it even more complicated because if you're in a, a constant state of safety of needing right of, or of not being safe, healing is next to impossible. (laughs) The research supports the idea that children in family control trafficking, organized abuse situations are often abused from the youngest ages, which creates an impact that is very different than a child who is abused later. Um, and also are abused longer into their adulthood, which creates a kind of stuck that is in fact somewhat unique. Michael Salter, um, who is a criminologist from Australia, he's done a lot of research about family control trafficking and organized abuse, um, and has just again been screaming with survivors into often the wilderness about this. Um, A quote from his book, Organized Sexual Abuse is, the simultaneous abuse of children and women and the abuse of children into adulthood adds a layer of complexity to multi-perpetrator sexual offenses. It is very hard to get help, but the research also shows that this happens. So the world acts as if this couldn't possibly be so, but the research supports it. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's part of, so why Mezzo? Because the world needs to develop, the systems need to develop an awareness and appreciation and programs to put in place to support survivors yeah and stop acting as if this is either a one-off in this one situation or that couldn't possibly be so yeah and survivors who are walking out this road to get to safety it's they need support they need someone to walk with them they need an advocate they you know it's it's I don't know, you can talk about this, but your brain in survival mode is not a fully functioning brain. And so when a survivor is in the most dangerous time, which we know is the time when they decide to leave and they say, okay, enough is enough. That is the most dangerous time for them. And that danger continues and continues and continues and continues because these type of offenders do not let go. They do not relent. They do not stop. Um, You know, survivors need someone to be, alongside them in this journey, helping them on basic things, right? Making Mm -hmm. phone calls, going to appointments, helping them navigate the systems that are in place, right? Even just giving a safe space to breathe. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, So that's why mezzo. That's why mezzo, because this middle space is is horrible and we are working hard to change the systems we are working hard to educate the people that are in you know in along that journey for a survivor um but we also need to provide support for the survivors i think we need to talk about what it has taken to create mezzo yeah it's been a lot it's been a lot i think that people maybe see from the outside us just kind of like hey by the way we have a new nonprofit. yay us you know who knew w9s are a thing oh my god what i'm sorry what (laughs) uh yeah we are so there's all of that all of it aspect of it is a thing of needing to understand because this is an official 
legal nonprofit and therefore it everything is being done by the book yeah a thousand percent and therefore we are having to learn all kinds of things that we don't have a previous frame for right absolutely which is why part of why we are so incredibly grateful for the supports that have come alongside us yeah it has taken actual blood sweat and literal tears um to get to this place at mezzo um yeah, like you said, actually creating a nonprofit is actually a ton of work and it's a ton of time and it's a lot of knowledge that neither of us really had until, you know, and we had to go to people who did have the knowledge. We are grateful for the people that have come mm-hmm. alongside us and said, hey, I do have that knowledge. Um, we're grateful for our board members. Each of them bring a unique thing to the table to a skill set that we don't have. Can we talk about Christiana for a second? Oh my gosh. Can we talk about Christiana? Hey, girl. <laughs> The amount of time and energy and knowledge that she has poured into creating this website Mm -hmm. is mind boggling. Both websites. Yeah. I mean, guys, Christiana is so again, you can go back and listen to her episode, but she is a survivor herself. Um, When she first heard the podcast, like last year in May, she jumped in with both feet. She's the only person that I know in the entire world who's like, Sure. And jumps in (laughs) like doesn't even. Yeah. Um, She, yes, created our ugly truth about the girl next door website. She has been a cheerleader, an advocate, a support. She has been walking this road alongside us right along. Um, And her actual blood, sweat and tears (laughs) have gone into helping us create Mezzo and creating this website. And um, she's been just an unbelievable support for us and an unbelievable support for us like mentally and emotionally as well. Right. Like you and I have each other. And then sometimes it's like, we're both, we're both maxed out and it's like, okay, Christiana, like help. (laughs) Right. Um, she is yeah in the middle. She is in the middle for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, makes it more doable for us to take your lived experience. And by the way, your social work background, like, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that like, yes, a lot of what you're bringing to the table is your lived experience as a survivor, but you also have a pretty mm-hmm. significant amount of social work experience. Yeah, I actually have run like yes. not-for-profits before. <laughs> um, right. I haven't created them myself before, which is a lot, but I I, ha- I do have experience doing that. I have, you know, yeah, lots of that. And, you know, you have lots of letters after your name. So you I... bring to the table actual like hardcore clinical clinical experience and knowledge and 30 plus years of that. So, um, but also that point of taking the lived experience, right. And adding it into this space of mezzo. So again, it sounds all fun and like, we're just, you know, telling my story to make money. (laughs) Not true. Not true. Um, but you know, we're taking the lived experience and putting it into a context and into a framework that educates people. So that can't be just me standing up there blubbering about my story. It's it, we have to, it's taken a lot of time. We've donated a lot of our time. <laughs> um, and, uh, and just the mental gymnastics of, of opening boxes enough to, give the information like here's what happened to me here's what didn't work here's what um should have happened or what could have helped right um so again i feel like is the push pull of survivor leadership which is to respect survivors means to respect the fact that they have the corner on the market on knowing how something should actually go those of us who have the clinical knowledge 
like we need to go to survivors and say, okay, but in reality, how does this actually play out? But that comes at a cost to the survivor. Of yeah, boxes. we, um, absolutely. It's mental gymnastics. That's the best way that I can put it. It's like standing on the edges of the boxes, looking in just enough to, to recall the memory, to give the information in a way that's authentic and that is, um, real, but not to fall into the box and now be reliving the memory and drowning in the PTSD response. Um, we don't want all the other survivors to have to do that. Right. We don't want all the other survivors to have to say to their support person, hey, let me open this box and give you this information so that you know how to support me. Exactly. We want to do that for you. Yeah. We want the survivor or we want the support people to already have a very right. good idea of what it is that they might be walking into. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, you know, we feel really strongly about our mission of Mezzo. We feel, you know, again, it's taken us a long time to get here. Um, and we feel really, really passionate about what we're doing. This is not, again, just like a, hey, it sounds like a fun idea to create a nonprofit. Again, we have spent hours and hours and hours and hours of time doing this not paid because it matters to us. It matters because it does matter. It, does. it doesn't just matter to us. You're it matters right. to the community. It matters to the country. It matters to the world. Yes. Um, we didn't go to Boston, you know, to go to the beach and hang out and have a great weekend away. We went to Boston because people in Boston said, Hey, we need this information. Can you come and talk to our people about it? We're going back to Boston in October because they've hired us to do that. We are going to uh, a, a local school district to do the same thing, right? People mm -hmm. care. People care about this information. Yes. They care about knowing and they, they recognize that, Oh my gosh, why is no one talking about this? Finally. Um, Finally beginning to happen. Right. So yeah, we feel very, very passionate about it. Um, you know, I posted the other day about, about Mezzo and on our Mezzo, um, social medias, you know, in family controlled trafficking, it isn't going to be the one time brothel raid. It's not going to be what you saw in the movie, the sound of freedom. It's going to be educating the community and having an army of people that can come alongside victims. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take those support people pulling victims out of these situations one by one. Um, and that is why mezzo, that is why mezzo, that is it. That's why. Um, so I guess just in terms of, because we feel the need to just, you know, I guess, I don't know, explain again, even though I'm so tired of explaining myself. Um, but where is the money going? Right. What are we, what are we doing with Meso? Right. Like it's what is all going back into Meso? Right. And I mean, all nonprofits are very transparent with their finances because again, it's a nonprofit and that's the, the whole idea is all the money that is generated goes back into, you know, New York state says that 90% of it has to go back into the organization. And so, yeah, that is, actually the law like that's actually the legal thing so even if there are people who think oh wow you're doing this for the money like actually no because that's why we created a non-profit instead of an llc or a c-corp or something like that um but so basically with Mezzo, there's yeah two ways to support financially um one is through purchasing our training curriculums we have put a ton of time and energy we have hired a professional videographer the, these are not just like our instagram videos these are professionally done training curriculums that are very educational it not only tells my story it talks about red flags warning signs what can you do how to be a safe person how to be a safe support how to recognize 
organize, how to report. We have gathered and gathered and gathered all of that information. We have talked to people. We have done our homework, done our research. So these videos, these training curriculums, they are not just podcast material. This is material that we have pulled together for professionals, for individuals, for really anyone who is looking to potentially support a survivor. I, I mean, we very, very, our niche in Mezzo is focusing on family controlled trafficking. I do think that our training curriculum, um, speaks to a lot of different kinds of abuse. I mean, if it's, you know, we talk very specifically about family controlled trafficking, but a lot of it is just useful information, how well, to be a good support to someone. <laughs> that's very true. The bottom line is if it will help someone who is as stuck as someone who is in family control trafficking, it will help someone who is stuck in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, all of the so we are you know charging a cost for those videos, of course. Um, it costs money to make them. And so um, but again, it's a nonprofit. So all of the money that's generated from the purchase of those videos goes right back into Mezzo. It's not, you know, it's not lining our pockets, <laughs> no. although some would like to say it is. Uh, yeah. Someone actually one of our board members, I was talking to her about this yesterday and I was just saying, like, I just it blows my mind that people think that or could think that. I mean, I know that it's it is a thought. A lot of people say that about survivors um, who talk about their story. But she said she was like, I feel like they could just look at your bank statement and know that you're not like taking a shit on a golden toilet. Like, (laughs) don't cut that. And I was like, well, yeah, like, duh, you know. Um, Right. So, yeah, you know, it all goes back directly into the organization, which it will never be worth it. Oh, my God. It'll never be worth it. Holy crap. No, I so important to understand what you have been through, what survivors go through will never be worth whatever amount of money they could ever get. Yeah. And the money part of it, too, honestly, just like to side note here is extremely triggering because and and offenders know that, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll get to the lawsuit part of this. But, um, you know, it's extremely triggering to think to feel I I was just looking back at at um, messages that we you know, I had talked with Christiana about this. Um, It's extremely triggering to feel like anyone could possibly think that a survivor would be talking about their experience or sharing about their experience for a financial gain, because especially for survivors of family control trafficking or any kind of trafficking, there was actually an exchange of money for the abuse. So when money comes into play, it, it's a very sticky, it's a very, I've had to work through a lot with that. Um, all survivors do, you know, when we talk to our friends in Boston, we had that conversation like, yeah, money is kind of a, uh, it's a, it feels a certain kind of way. And you and I have had that conversation, you know, when there's an exchange of money for, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's yucky because money did change hands for the abuse that was going on. And in a situation where, um, your needs, feelings, wishes, and wants were not relevant. It had nothing to do with benefiting you. And that, so therefore any implication that money is a central factor here is very difficult for the survivor. But I'm just here to remind everyone, the only people who work indefinitely for free are those being exploited. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that is not what is happening here. No. 
Um, so yeah, all of this goes back into the organization to further our mission to educate people. Um, super cool. We actually had a professor of psychology reach out. She, um, was looking to purchase one of the, um, educational training curriculums. She was trying to figure out which one to purchase. Um, but she's using it for teaching materials for future psychologists. So, so exciting. Yeah. People who will be in a position to, literally support a survivor in all kinds of different ways. Um, you know, she said to me, some of these, some of these students are going to be school psychologists. Some of them are going to be out in the field. Some of them, you know, whatever, but that's so cool. Like that's, and I was like, I'm thrilled to hear that. Like that is, that is what we like to hear. Well, we don't, yeah, that is what we like to hear. Um, also, like we had said before, a local school district has hired us and we're, again, so grateful to be able to get, we're get, being given the opportunity to raise awareness on an, a next level, it yes. feels like. Not even just, hey, I'm telling my story. I'm, you know, telling the community, raising awareness, talking about it in a way that is going to keep people safer just in my community. But far beyond that, right? We're now bringing it into the next arena of, hey, we're actually training people. We're actually educating people. And so there's going to be all kinds of people who now know about this, who can do something to help someone else. Um, so that dream is happening, but there are more dreams for Mezzo. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about um, our parking lot list. <laughs> uh, a very Nicole Overcamp, one of our board members, she's a business advisor, financial advisor. She's like incredible. Like if you don't know her, you should, because, oh my goodness, like Nicole, all the things, uh, her and Christiana, right? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, but she talked to us about parking lot lists, right? Like we, obviously, you know, we would love to just like hit the ground running and do all the things that we want to do with, with Mezzo. Um, so the short list currently is educational materials and beginning to train advocates and supports to come alongside victims. Yeah. And so again, all, when we talk about money going back into the organization, those services of, of coming alongside the advocates, hosting, you know, monthly support groups for the advocates, for the people, the support people that are helping survivors current day, that's all happening free of charge for those people. That's all happening. But we, we have to have some way to support that part of our organization. Right. Um, so again, that's, that's part of the, the circle of a nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, part of our, so that's our short vision, right? That's our, our, we did the educational training materials. We will continue to roll out new ones and better ones and, um, different ones for mm -hmm. social workers and for hairstylists and for, you know, lots of different things on the horizon mm -hmm. there. Um, and also our advocate program. So, you know, training advocates, training volunteers. Tra and also building the alliances in the community so that when a yeah. survivor needs something, we have people to send them to. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully we can find those people. Yeah. We might. Hey, but our parking lot list. Yeah. Is a vision for a retreat center. You know, we've talked so much about, you know, healing is incredibly hard to achieve when safety is still an issue. So, um, for, it's like a merry ground, right? Like every time we would make progress in therapy, then something would happen, a threat would come or, you know, something would happen and I would be thrown right back. It's like it's the whole like two steps forward, three steps back kind of thing or three steps forward, two steps back. I'm not really sure. Well, that seems like forward one step back still has you going forward. Okay. Well, that feels like a math thing to me <laughs> that I don't want to deal with. So <laughs> literally when my kids ask me to like do math, I always look at Noah, my oldest. I'm always like, Noah, please weigh in. Thank you. 
Like Evelyn asked me yesterday, what's 18 plus 45? And I was like, uh, Noah, there you go. <laughs> Would you like to thank you? Okay. It's very nice when they get to that age where they're helpful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's basically an adult. Uh, <laughs> no, but having a retreat center, right? A place for survivors to go, to breathe, to be safe for whatever the, that length of time looks like. But mm-hmm. I wish more than anything that I could have had, that I could have that type of situation, a place where I could have gone with my support person that Lori and I together could have gone and she could have also had support and you, you know, you could have also had support for the reality of walking through this with me Mm -hmm. and the reality of what you were carrying. And not every support person is going to have the letters after their name to have that muscle worked out to be able to carry Mm -hmm. a lot of it. And so having a place for the support people and the survivors to just breathe is huge. I think having a family camp, yeah, that would be amazing yeah, too. having people on staff who know the you know know what it is that they're dealing with can hold all of it, can alleviate some of it, can provide spaces for safety and healing and nature and yoga and all of the things can that you, you know. Imagine what it would be like for a family who's walking through this to go to a place where the husbands have other husbands who are yeah. trying to support their wives and the kids have each other to be like, yeah, sometimes my mom is just not able to be like mentally and emotionally present. And that can be really hard, but I love her to bits and she's fantastic. And for the survivors to be around each other. Yeah. Uh, yep. That's the dream folks. Yeah. That is dream. our dream. Yeah. So, but again, all of that takes we have to start somewhere and this is where we're starting, right? Where we're starting is we're educating our community. We're educating the world. We're educating an army of helpers to, to become the support people. And in doing so, we are hoping to build that and, and keep moving forward. Um, another thing I just want to mention is our members area, right? Even if you're not someone who's ready to take the plunge and go through the training curriculum. You don't have the time for it. You don't, it's, it's, you know, not in your budget, whatever the members area, it's a one-time fee right now in our presale, it's $10 to join. Um, we've gotten a little pushback on that. Like you're asking me to join, you know, obviously there's, there's content on our website and our social media and the podcast. That's all, it's not monetized, none of it. So right. you can obviously get stuff yeah, out there, plenty folks. of free stuff. Um, but our members area is a one-time fee. It is going to include monthly videos that are just for the members area. You don't pay for them. They're free. Once you're, once you've joined the members area with that one-time fee, um, you're going to get monthly videos on topics around family control trafficking tools that, um, are going to help, you know, both you as a support person for survivors. Um, you'll have first access to any new content that we create, things that we roll out. Um, it's again, it's a one-time thing. And again, the money goes directly back into the organization, into, um, into being able to, to do these things. Um, in the meantime, we are absolutely laser focused because we have to be on what it is that we are trying to create because there are constantly things that are working against that focus. Yeah. Constant attempts to distract us, including things like the lawsuit and just everyday life, car things and kid things and yeah, house things and life. Yeah. So the lawsuit. <laughs> I don't think we really talked about it on a podcast yet. We've talked about it in um, a social media live, but we know that not everybody watches that. So I guess high level, um, we 
we were sued for defamation by one of the offenders um, that we had named publicly. Um, the, you know, the original filing, you can find it on New York State court docs. I actually, <laughs> I don't know how to do this, but people across the, the globe, so people from like Australia and the UK have been messaging me being like, I'm so upset, like I can't, they don't have access to it. Huh. Um, I know, which is really That's frustrating because so we have a lot of people who listen from right. across the world so we have to figure out how to do that we do but um yeah they don't have access to like the new york state court documents website because they're like in the uk okay. um but anyways uh lawsuit was filed back in um early may they tried to have us served on my birthday which is an interesting choice um mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons uh you know we've talked about the anniversary thing um so then we filed our answer to the courts um, 20 days ago, <laughs> July 14th. And we have some really, really incredible attorneys, like holy crap attorneys. Yes. Um, we're so grateful. I, I literally had a conversation yesterday with mine and felt just 10 times better. Like he just, he just knows what he's doing and he's like not... He's a bulldog, right? And that's exactly what we need. Mm -hmm. um, so we have some incredible attorneys who get it, who are here for it. And I um, don't think that the offenders, that the people who filed the lawsuit expected us to be doing anything other than scrambling, but we're not scrambling. No. And we're grateful that we're not. And again, that's part of building the army. And that's why the middle is so important because survivors need to have people that they can call on when they're facing something like this. And we're so grateful that we have been able to do that. So that's actually also a point that I want to make. So this defamation lawsuit, again, is not unique. Um, <laughs> most survivors, when they do speak out about their abuse, they do face something like this. This is not unique to this offender or to our, you know, to my experience or to our podcast or anything. Um, we talked to a, a couple different survivors when we were in Boston and, and we were like, yeah, you know, we're being sued for defamation. It's just really frustrating. And they were like, yeah, no, that, you know, so they, so that's finally where the offenders came to is they couldn't, they couldn't do anything else. And so they decided to sue you. Cool. Um, that's, so it's kind of this known thing. It's right. not a, sure. it's not a surprise really. It's also why New York state created the anti-slap laws. So, yes. um, you know, right. it's, you can't do that. <laughs> so anti-slap, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, but for anyone who didn't hear that, anti-slap refers to legislation that's passed in many states, but certainly in New York, uh, that stands for Strategic Litigation Against Public Participation. And that's what S-L-A-P-P, SLAP, stands for. Um, and basically it refers to the idea that you cannot sue someone for speaking out about something that is of public concern. Um, and so here we are speaking out about a very significant safety concern. Um, and so we are being sued for that. And that's what we're that's what we're responding to. Yeah. And needing to address. And yeah. it is intended very much to shut us up and to be a distraction, probably a distraction to make you so afraid that you fall backwards into bad things and um, get distracted from safety planning and get distracted from the things that we're doing that are good and big and important like mezzo. Um, but again, that's why mezzo is so important. Yep. Because if I was doing this by myself, if mm -hmm. I did not have you and all of the people that are now in the middle with us, I I wouldn't be able to face this. And they, the offenders were never counting on that. And all offenders are never counting on that. 
And Which that is, is a thing. horrifying to me. Mm-hmm. So I just have to go on record saying that is horrifying to me that the offenders know that truth, which is by history, survivors, victims are often like the, the sheep that is left the whole herd and is by itself and can get gobbled up by the wolf and nobody's going to do anything about it. That is disgusting. And that is why Mezzo, because mm-hmm. that has to stop as yep. a society. We have got to make that stop. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's not uncommon for victims to, to, I mean, this is the middle, this is the middle. This is not unique to my experience. This is what it looks like. This horrendous road from what was happening to safety and healing is long and hard and impossible. And if you don't have people in the middle with you, you won't make it. I know that because I've tried. <laughs> I have tried to do it by myself. I have had nobody in the middle with me before. I have had people bail. I have had people not be able to hold it and it didn't work. And I was right back where I started. So that is why Mezzo. And that's why we're not just saying, hey, people, show up for your survivor in your world. We're saying, Show up for the survivor in your world and we're going to help you do it and do it well because it matters how you do it. Yes, exactly. It definitely matters how you do it. Um, Lastly, safety is still of the utmost priority right now. Um, Survivors, again, you know, they don't, these kind of offenders don't stop. They, they're using the lawsuit right now to distract and to um, definitely to threaten but in the meantime, as we kind of wait out the long court process, safety is of the absolute utmost importance. Um, you know, they're using the lawsuit, I think, to angle for information um, that takes away from my safety. Yeah, it's so it's complicated, but um, we continue to safety plan every single day, um, which is awesome. But OK, that's sarcasm, folks. Yeah, super sarcastic. I actually, uh, I have a t-shirt that just says salty on it. And I'm like, that's like just how I am the last like week or so. I'm just like real salty about, I'm just so, honestly, I said, like I said to you in the very beginning of this episode, I'm tired. I'm so tired because I'm so tired of, I'm just tired. I want to be able to take my daughter to the mall just and not even have to think about it. I want to be able to take my kids to the playground and, and not always have to have somebody with me or have a taser in my back pocket or whatever I need. I want to be safe because I, so the fact that it's still is this constant having to think about it and waiting for the next thing to happen or waiting for the next threat. Like I'm just, I'm exhausted. So yes. So it's a lot to keep going, but we do in fact keep going. We do in fact keep going together together with all the people that are supporting us. We keep going. So thanks for being in the middle with us and for coming on this journey with us. We're very excited for what Mezzo is going to bring. Yeah. If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733.